0: This is the Saltwater and Honey podcast. I'm Sheila. And I'm Lizzie. This podcast includes conversations about infertility, miscarriage, childlessness and faith. And we'd love to hear from you. So contact us on email, uh, hello at saltwaterandhoney.org or on the blog which started it all, which is saltwaterandhoney.org. We're on Facebook Saltwater and Honey community, and of course Instagram and Twitter, Saltwater and Honey. So do come, drop us a line, let us know what stories matter to you, um, and what you'd like us to talk about.
1: We hope you enjoy listening to this episode.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Saltwater and Honey podcast. I'm Sheila, and I've known Lizzie again today, um, but I do have two really special guests. Uh, do you want to just introduce yourself? You are? I'm Anissa. And I'm Rosina. So Anisa and Rosina are two of my friends and I met Anissa when I was an NQT and she was my, my partner teacher.
2: At St. James.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Name and shame, the poor school. Um, but Anissa was my next door teacher. Raz,
1: how do we know each other? I was Sheila's NQT, so, yeah, Sheila was my mentor. So, Anissa's like your teaching grandma. Yeah, basically. I am. I feel like a
0: dinosaur, yeah. It's okay. You're not. (laughs) You are. We are. It's fine. Um. So, we we've all worked together which is how we know each other um, but the, the the sad part or good part I don't know is that we all have had fertility challenges Yeah. Um, but also we are all people of faith
1: uh, do you want to share which faith you're from? Well, we're both Muslim Yeah. so we follow the faith of Islam um, but before we go into that I think it's really important to add that Although we were colleagues, actually, through, through it was the work that brought us together. Yeah. Before the whole fertility. Yeah. You know story and for any of us really, so it, the friendship came first. It yeah. wasn't the fertility that yeah. brought us together. No. the
2: experiences that came later yeah. on that actually, because we were close, helped us.
1: Yeah, and actually, it. we're
0: we're part of quite a wider, yeah. very diverse Fest- friendship group yeah. who yeah. all met. At work. Yeah. But that that friendship group is, like, varies in age from, what, 32 to, I don't want to say, but (laughs) 60-something. Sorry, Roz. (laughs) (laughs) But we're all from very different backgrounds and stuff. So you're right, like, we are friends first. Yeah. Fertility sisters
1: second. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That sounds like, what? I mean, those? Houses. What is it in America that they have? Um, like Sigma, Pi- yeah, sorority, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Roberts is> <laughs> yeah, sorority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my oh. goodness, fertility sisters
0: sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> we won't do. banned.
1: we can't mention that again. No.
0: Okay, I won't. I won't. So. Uh, Anissa and Rosina have uh, agreed to come on to just talk about their experiences um, as Muslim women going through fertility struggles Um, and what we really wanted to do is um, talk about that generally but also to really go into about how your faith plays such a major part in that and how it can help and how sometimes it can feel like it hinders but mainly just to... um, able to speak about that and the hope that that might bring so we will do that it may be that we're going to do a part one and a part two I think so that we can really delve into it And um, but maybe first let's just hear your fertility stories so you have who wants to go first <laughs> I'll go first go on then go on Anissa so perhaps
2: seven seven eight years ago I got told that me and my husband got told that um we couldn't conceive naturally so um We went through the whole IVF thinking actually it was down to me because I was a teacher and I was in a pressurised environment so I got told by everyone around me and he said it's you, the problem lies with you, you need to rest a bit, you need to eat healthily, you need to get yourself checked. So it took me a year to go through that whole process of ensuring that I was okay and I was healthy enough to conceive and then after a year we realised within two weeks when my husband got tested actually it wasn't me it was actually my husband and that's what was the initial shock to everybody and especially to I think to his family because infertility was something that was unheard of Mm. so I think that was the biggest hurdle and I think it became very hard for him to accept that the problem I don't see it as a problem I see it as something that it's something that you do together as a couple whether it was with me or him it was something that we had to go through together and we did, we did support each other through it and the IVF journey itself was hard because obviously it didn't, it didn't work out for me the first time Mm. and that was a heartache in itself so the IVF was successful after the second cycle and that's when I was fortunate enough to um, have twins who are six years old today but the whole journey through it was actually the beginning side of it, when I reflect back on it, I realize it was the startup and the initial reaction, which was very hard. Mm. But the whole journey and the pregnancy itself was a bit of a shock because I actually was going to have twins, so it was a risky
0: pregnancy. Mm. But yeah, it's so funny, it doesn't feel like it's as long ago as that, yeah. as it was in yeah. that sense.
1: Yeah.
0: It's interesting, I don't know what you had, but I had the same where. Because being a teacher, mm. you thought, oh, well, it yeah. must
1: be me because of the stress. Mm. It's yeah. like a gut reaction. Yeah. But also, it's, it's really, I think it's a very common thing, regardless of culture, mm. when it comes to infertility, to point the finger at the woman. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always, well, have you been tested? It's not, have you as a couple been tested? Mm. It's always, have you been tested? What are you doing? Are you supplementing? Or are you eating the correct diet? Or are you exercising? But actually, it's a joint effort because it takes two to make a baby. And whether it's naturally or whether it's through IVF, ICSI, IUI, you name it, it takes two to tango. And I think society still has a lot to learn in that sense mm. when it comes to actually questioning it as a couple yeah, rather th- than as an individual when it, and it's normally the individual being the woman.
2: I think new couples going through this journey have to be in it together and it's, it's talking through it and it's learning to accept that whoever it is, it's not a problem. It's something that you're going to work together through it mm-hmm. and not blaming each other or, you know, it's your fault. It's not your fault. It's not something you can control.
0: It's just beyond you. It's how you deal with it that makes you you know get on with it mm. and I
1: mean,
0: it is one of those things though that it can it can make or break yeah. a relationship a marriage because it's such like yeah a challenge yeah. that unless you're unified yeah you, it will cause deep division won't it yeah and um,
1: Raz what uh what was your fertility story so we got married in 2012 Anissa was actually pregnant at my wedding so it was not long after that she had her twins. Yeah, yeah. So she was somebody who had been on that journey already and yeah. was nearing the end of it. Um, we, we had always said that we wanted children. We knew we wanted children. I, I've always wanted children. Um, but we knew that having just got married, um, we'd only know, really known each other for a short space of time. We wanted to give our marriage some time where we got to know each other as a married couple. Mm. So we gave it a year. And a year after we were married, we decided that we were ready to have a family. Um, and really, that's where it started. I, I didn't know anything about, you know, getting pregnant, other than the fact that, you know, you know the birds and bees. You know. <laughs> um, I didn't know about ovulation, and I didn't know about your lethal phase and all that, you know, all, all this jargon, all these words that are thrown at you. Um and after some time speaking to somebody in the family, they sort of said, Oh, are you using those OPKs? And I, 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 again, I didn't know what they were. What is an OPK? OPKs, they're, they're ovulation sticks, sticks that you pee on. And oh, they tell oh, you yeah. whether you're ovulating. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, went off to Boots, bought these clear blue yeah. digital ones, you know, the most expensive ones on the shelf because you think they're the best ones. Mm. And that's where our fertility story really started because that it, it didn't work I was going crazy I think I was peeing on a stick about three times a day <laughs> to see when I was ovulating but again yeah. you have to know when yeah. to pee on the stick because it's you know it's not before your period it's sort of after your period it's a certain time after so there was a lot of educating that I had to put myself through to learn about how my body worked mm. um and that in itself I was in it by myself because as a man Men don't have to pee on a stick
2: yeah. to know no. that they're
1: ready to make a baby, you mm. know. It's quite easy for them in that sense. Um so that is where my fertility story started. We continued trying for a baby, um and that you know we weren't successful. Um a year later we decided to go and see my GP. We explained our situation um and he sent me off for a HSG where basically they checked, wanted to check whether my tubes were blocked or anything. That was absolutely fine. Uh, We then decided that we were going to go onto the fertility treatment road. um, And we had two IUI treatments where we funded them ourselves. Uh, Both were unsuccessful. Um, We then went on to have IVF. um, And the first round of IVF was unsuccessful. And that was quite traumatic Mm -hmm. um, for me and mentally and physically i was quite worn out by then mm-hmm. um i had my iuis back to back and then the first chance i got which was only a couple of months after the iuis i started my ivf journey where you know you're, you're stimulating with injections and you know tablets and lots of things and you're kind of really playing with your body mm-hmm. um so we decided to have a bit of a break um and then later on about 6 months later in the year we had our second round of ivf um where we were, we fell pregnant, um, and I have my daughter today. Mm. So Marion was born in May of two thousand and eighteen last year. So she's the you know, as I said to you and Anissa and Sheila earlier, she's the egg that stuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: I said that would be a great children's book. It would. Yeah. It would be, wouldn't it? There probably yeah. is one. <laughs> yeah, there probably is actually. You're absolutely right. But yeah, she's she's our little miracle, um, and yeah, that's my story and it's a story i haven't shared with many people Hmm. and it's true
2: that's how we see them we see them as our little miracles and we're always thankful and grateful for them you know they they are today we love them but we never forget the journey that we took for these little bundles of joys you know you never forget that pain and you're always like the new couples that are facing these kind of struggles you empathize with them because you've been through it
0: but hopefully so how has that changed you do you think like how like you think back to the person you were before fertility struggles took place? How do
1: you think it has changed you as a person? To jump in? Go on. <laughs> Initially, before all of this, I was the person who didn't really need to talk about things. Mm. I didn't need to talk about my feelings. I was I, I had I had a very small, close-knit circle of friends who I would really actually open up to. Sheila and Nisa, you know, you guys you, you guys know that very well. Um, but actually, having gone through the IVF journey itself, I've now come out of it. And I, I believe that actually speaking about things um, allows you to sort of hear yourself. And actually, sometimes when you hear yourself, you think, oh, my gosh, that doesn't sound as bad as what it felt like.
0: Mm. Um,
1: even when I was on, you know, going through the IVF treatment, they offer you counselling. Mm. Um, and the whole idea of the notion of sitting in a room because this is what you see on television, isn't it? You see this, you know, you see that shade. What is it called? That like long chair, long. long, yeah, yeah. That, 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 you know, someone's lying on it, and there's someone sitting with a notepad in an armchair, and they're asking you these silly questions that you think, well, that's that's obvious, isn't it? And that's what you think counselling is. And I turned the counselling down. And having now reflecting on that, I should have actually taken that opportunity. One, it was on the NHS; it was for free. How lucky are we? Mm. But secondly, I needed it. Mm. but I told myself I didn't need it but I needed really somebody then to tell me I needed it and I don't think it should have been an option should be compulsory it should be compulsory it goes back to what Anissa has just said about new couples going through this they won't know that they need it unless somebody tells them you need to go through this you need to go and have this session you might not think you need it but give it a go But I also
2: think in the Asian community, therapy and counselling, it's very underrated. It's like there's no need to. We've got so many cousins and relatives. It's frowned upon, isn't it? Yeah, there's no need for counselling. And looking back on it, Rosina's right. I wish we did take those steps and I wish we did talk about how we're feeling because we're doing it now because you have to let it out. Hmm. And if you don't, if you're always going to be consumed with this pain, it's always going to be there. It's never, you know, it's good to share your stories and experiences. I I realise now with new couples, going through it I don't question them anymore you just let people be and I just didn't appreciate the intrusiveness during my time because we were one of the first couples that went through infertility and we were constantly asked when are you going to have children why haven't you had children you know because me and Hiam were married for nine years So we had it after nine years and we were constantly questioned and it was so heartbreaking having to say, oh, just please pray for me or let it be. Mm -hmm. So for me in the future, and I see couples now who are also struggling with it, I just literally, I might just go over and give them a hug and say, listen, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes offering that words of support to people and new couples is just all they need
1: rather than why. Yeah. But don't you also think, I mean, Anissa, I know you're from the Pakistani community and I'm from the Indian community, but I'd like to think that they are fairly similar in lots of uh, ways that they think and they Mm. do things, and it's such a close subject Mm. that actually you might be sitting next to somebody in a restaurant or at a wedding or a party Mm -hmm. and they may be going through infertility but you just don't know Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that it's that doesn't happen in other communities Mm -hmm. but because our communities are so closed Mm -hmm. when it comes to this subject Mm -hmm. you would never know so yeah actually today is a really good opportunity for us to reach out to those people and say look we're here we've been through it it's okay to talk about it mm. as long as you feel safe and you you feel yeah. like you know you can trust because but I, that's the thing yeah. trust is a big thing isn't it because but i you...
2: do feel people don't want to open up and i think we're very lucky rosina the fact that we do and sheila three of us can sit down and we can talk about it for hours but some people find it easy not to talk about it and focus on processing the feelings within which is absolutely fine and that's what i've realized how everybody takes this journey it's their own personal journey mm. you can be as open as close as you like is how you deal with it I've met couples that don't want to talk about the experiences which is fine yeah because I'm the complete opposite I want to talk about my experience from anybody even if I'm sitting there with somebody in the bus and you know <laughs> I'll be like oh this is
0: my story do you want to listen to it I'm so <laughs> open about it so how with that openness how did that work because you're both very open people how did that work in your families where you're saying okay there'll be maybe people in your family your community who aren't telling people but people ask questions don't mm-hmm. they and like are quite involved in each other's lives so how did you balance that what what was good what maybe wasn't so good <laughs> haven't got any good stories I think for me because
2: I had twins there was no denying it was for fertility treatment we couldn't hide it whereas I hate to say this but my husband and his parents are from Pakistan and his relatives are from Pakistan it was very much a shock to them and I don't think they've quite accepted the fact that I took this fertility route and it's seen as a very like you took this easy route of having children you weren't destined to have children and you shouldn't have gone through that route and it made me realize no you know our religion doesn't stop us like if we're sick or you're not feeling well you're gonna go to the doctors and there's this opportunity that god has given to you and i saw it through the way that you know it was my husband's sperm and that was allowed and it was all absolutely done through the religious way but unfortunately culturally it wasn't seen as the way that i should have done it and because i did take that step unfortunately they have never asked me or wanted me to speak about my experiences for them it's very much like okay they're here now we accept them but we don't want to know how they actually came into the world So it's a very closed subject, Mm. which is a shame. But uh, what I've learned to deal with is that's them, and I can't change people, Mm. but I can change myself, and I can change my positivity and my experiences for the next coming up generation. And if that's how some people want to
0: choose to be, then that's absolutely their choice. Mm. It's interesting because I'm not sure that that's necessarily a distinction from other communities where... Mm. It would be like, well, you've got the children now. Let's stop talking about it. Yeah. Let's stop talking about how they got here. Yeah. You know, like we don't need to keep going on yeah. about the fertility story. Yeah. You've got your babies. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing of.
1: We don't yeah, talk about. Sweep
0: it, it under the carpet. Yeah. yeah. Everything's fine now. Yeah. 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 You know, how How about like, with questions that you got asked?
1: How did you deal with that? With well, it's always in, in our culture. It's always when you get to that ripe age. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, when are you getting 30. married? You know, you yeah, you need to get married now. You know. What age is that? When do you start getting oh. asked? Since as you graduated. Since as as you graduated. <laughs> you wear that hat. Yeah. And that's it. The next thing you come home, you're going to see your suitor. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's what your parents have ready for you. Your families. That's that's what that's what our culture does yeah. to us, isn't yeah. it? You're kind of. You're on that conveyor belt for lots of different things. Yeah. You get through school, then you do your A-levels. You go off to university, you graduate. Yeah. You graduate, you get married. Yeah. oh, you get might married. get the job in between, but, you know, yeah. the job isn't that important because you don't want to be too career-minded. You yeah. don't want to be too focused because it's you're what? really destined just to be married and mm. to bring children into the world. Mm. You get married and then, you could you, apparently, you're supposed to have children after that. Mm. But that's where the problem kind of starts. That's not how it that's works. That's not how it works, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I got married and then people sort of said, oh, it's been a year now. Hmm. Are you going to have children? Yes, we'd like to have children, you hmm. know, all in good time. Oh, it's been two years now. Hmm. When are you going to have children? Hmm. Okay, it's been three years now. We'll pray for you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because they start believing that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, It's been four years now. You know, you really shouldn't be so career-minded. You know, maybe you need to go part-time. Have you thought about taking on a job where you're working less hours? Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea that you should be eating that? It's lots of... And is that from a range of people? Yeah. Yeah. But also, I I found it was from a lot of family members that I didn't actually expect it to come from. Oh, interesting. Um... And then there's a lot of cultural beliefs about certain foods not doing you good, which, when you actually read about it, from terms of like you know, from a scientific perspective, actually you know there's something wrong with it. So I got told by somebody, oh, you mustn't eat carrots because carrots actually you know they provide too much warmth in your body. You know you stop eating aubergines and eggs and it was it was crazy yeah. and I believed it yeah. because I was so desperate for a baby mm. that I just I drove myself nuts and mm. people didn't realise that they were doing this to me because it was they were people. Mm. It wasn't just one person and it, because it came from so many different places i didn't i i didn't realize what i was doing to myself yeah mm. so if someone had said to me you need to stand in the rain and you need to stand you know or on your head on a headstand in the rain and that will help you get pregnant i think i probably would have done it mm. but that's what i allowed myself but you allow to yourself do. to believe anything because you're so desperate to have these
2: children you're so desperate to fit into the Asian, normal, you don't want to be the person that doesn't have children. You know, why Why me? You know, you want to. You want to be normal. You want to be fit into society. Because so are those people noticed,
0: yeah, the ones yeah, who didn't have children? children? Yeah.
2: So, you know, for me, it's like, I sometimes think, well, what if I didn't have children? Where would me and my husband be? And I think when you think like that, you think, life would be so different. It mm. really would be.
0: Because is there with those choices are you limited in what your choices would be so what would how would that play out do you know what our religion
2: is absolutely founded upon prophet muhammad peace be upon him and he was an orphan he was an orphan and i think Mm. we've got to understand that the best of human beings that have walked this planet is an orphan yet the respect and the dignity we give to orphans is anything but I don't know, Rosina, if you agree with me. So, and I remember when I, when me and my husband went through this, and we considered adoption. It was a no-go area because the thought of raising somebody's else, somebody else's child, was beyond like couldn't be capable. So of for your else. extended yeah. family, yeah. And oh, I yes. and I and I think we need to educate people more that you know sometimes IVF isn't going to work and there are other options there's fostering and there's adoption and there's so much demand from the Muslim Mm, community because mm. there isn't enough people and I really wish to one day give back that love to a child and you know go through that process of you know taking up on a child that doesn't have any parents or you know is in an unloving environment so so is that a
1: cultural thing then as opposed to yeah a religious thing there, there, there are certain schools of thought That say Adoption has its barriers Yeah But it all depends on what school of thought you kind of follow okay. It's just like for instance if you were to adopt a girl When she gets a certain age She's not Because it's, not a, blood it's not a blood relative So she's not she's, you know, she's not To be around the father Whereas if you adopted the boy when he gets a certain age It's, it's that There's lots of that, that, I think Things only become complicated when you want them to be complicated, because Islam actually is a very easy religion to follow, and actually, if you do look at adoption, because I we looked into it, um, there are ways around it, and it is allowed, Mm -hmm. but again, like I said, it depends on what school of thought you choose to follow, Mm -hmm. so and do you think Mm -hmm. as well that
0: you'd be making a choice that because you know a lot of your family would disapprove of Mm -hmm. therefore you've got to be so invested in that and believe it's your calling to do yeah which would be hard perhaps as well yeah because i think then what you don't have you don't necessarily have that support because you know people disapprove well you've got to fight that fight first yeah and that's really hard and that's a fact you really shouldn't have to fight no and actually when you you you're so right aren't you like there is a need for any like there's so many children of varying backgrounds and having parents who are from those backgrounds would be amazing but if you're dealing with that then you can understand why it doesn't happen yeah
2: i just had recently a lady who both her and her husband of IVF hasn't worked through and they're never going to be able to go through the IVF treatment it's never going to be successful when they've considered adoption and they've actually told their parents about it and their parents have actually really embraced the idea of adoption mm-hmm. and they've really come round to it and they're like, well, do you know what? We're going to try it as long as we see you're happy and, the, and I thought that was such a big step in our community like mm-hmm. they're the first couple that are going to go through adoption wow, like I for me it's like my story is wow but then your story is so much more inspirational you love your own but to love somebody else's child is beyond belief for me and I think me that's truly
1: yeah well it's interesting
0: yeah. in christianity mm-hmm. adoption is such like a biblical concept because we believe that we are adopted children of god you know yeah. we are mm-hmm. god's mm-hmm. adopted children and that mm-hmm. idea of adoption is so so biblical mm-hmm. yet it's it's only people going through infertility who often get you know suggested to look at it yeah. to start with people don't go from the outset let me think about adoption. Well, that's you know, so yeah. I always find it really amazing when you do find couples who've done that and gone. no, no, we're not even going to even try for our own yeah. children. Yeah. We're going to adopt because we feel called to that. I find that so inspiring. Because, because adoption,
1: for instance, or fostering, is seen as the last, the, the final, final option. Chain. But actually, it isn't, isn't it? No. It's got to be a
0: first, really. It's got to be
1: your, your first choice, even if you've gone through other things, because it's a hard choice, right? Yeah. And you've got to also... I know someone who's a social worker and speaking to her a while ago she was telling me about children that are being taken into care because of whatever reason you know where they're being taken away from their parents and there are so many children of faith that are being taken into care who are then being adopted or put put into foster homes where actually their foster parents or their adopted parents are not of the same faith so really you have to think about children then losing that faith as well you know yeah. and I think that's really important whether we're Christian, Sikh, Muslim, yeah. 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 Jewish or whatever it is I think that's really important that we educate our children and we allow those children to be brought back into the faith so we can educate them and bring them up to be those global citizens so they can understand and educate our future generations the way we want to do with our you know with our children I think that's key as well so that's something to consider, really. No, I
0: think that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'm I'm going to start bringing us, like, drawing us near to an end for this, se- this session, um, because I'm going to make you talk more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to think, like, in terms of your experience, uh, do you have any examples of when per- perhaps... Uh, things were said that made you either really hurt or really angry examples that maybe like you told an example
2: yeah I think my best friend turned around one day and said to me Anissa what you did when you went through IVF it was the totally against Islamic approach what you did and it's not allowed, you were destined not to have children and you just went through you just went through God's commands and you just went against it and I remember being so angry and I was like but that's your cultural viewpoint, you haven't actually even researched about your religion, how dare you and I remember just being so angry and wound up and saying how dare you say that these children that have come into this world are not, they shouldn't have been there, how can you question it and I remember thinking this is what we need to do. I need to be open about it. I need Mm. to educate people about it because do you know what? This is going to, this is on the rise Infertility. It's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And if we think that this is our chosen destiny, we're never destined to have children. That isn't. Mm. Science has advanced so much. There's so much offer, so much support that we need to get out there and we need to make sure that we get it. And we can't let viewpoints and culture or mindsets that haven't grown stop us from what, doing that what happened with that friend she's still my best friend yeah she's still my best friend but she, so you had it out yeah, yeah she had it out and she was like i'm so sorry and he said it's just i had to say it because it wasn't me it's the people in i know her family it's mm. people that have been saying it and i just thought i let you know and i was like well i appreciate it because as best friends you do want to be honest with each other but <laughs> i think i admire that though that you You stood up Because it wasn't her It's what she had I knew it wasn't my best friend Who was thinking like that And I think if she had Maybe we wouldn't be best friends Yeah (laughs) that's true
0: actually Yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Good What about you Raz Anything that I think for me It was more the The smaller comments You Mm. know Where you you, you go to a baby shower Mm. Which is already difficult Mm. So you pray to God You know before you go And you say right Just give me the strength To get through this because it's not you um, and then you get there and someone says to you, oh it'll be you next and you think oh thank god you know like I, I hope so but you, you don't want to hear that because they don't know what struggle you're going through for you to be next and you know it's not going to be that easy for you to be next or I, I was recently only about a couple of months ago in fact at a wedding and somebody who in our community a lady she came over she was talking to me she knows my family fairly well and she said to me she was talking to me about her daughter and she's been married a couple of years now and she said oh you know I've been telling her that you know she, she needs to start having children now you know and I thought oh here we go mm-hmm. and I said well you know what let her enjoy her life you know look at me I traveled um I, I bought a house you know and then I had my my daughter and she said to me oh but it's different for you isn't it you have problems <laughs> And I just looked at her and I, I wanted to say to her, well, actually, no, we didn't have any problems because we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which basically meant we don't know if there is anything wrong with you because we've run all the tests possible. <laughs> um, it just isn't the right time, really, for you to have a baby um, naturally. So I, I didn't say anything to her. I just said to her, well, I, I wish your daughter the best of luck. And I just I thought I'm not going to let you into my my, my, my space where it's peaceful anymore. And that's what I've learned best Mm. from because I did that a lot with a lot of people where they made it about themselves. Mm. You know, my husband's aunt once called us and after finding out through somebody who told her that we'd had IVF treatment and she was really upset because we hadn't told her, Mm. but I didn't realize it had to be public news. Do people, when they conceive their babies naturally, ring people to break the news that they're having their baby and add on oh by the way my baby was conceived naturally no they don't
0: yeah we went away for the weekend we had
1: a great weekend we
0: conceived her (laughs) yeah
1: like how, how does it work so why is it then that when my pregnancy was announced and people were really you know genuinely happy for us that we had to tell them Mm. it was an IVF baby My daughter didn't come into this world With an IVF tag around her foot Or yeah. her leg or anything She came into this world Just as all the other babies in the world yeah. do And is that not also um, part of the
0: issue Of like trying to be open Doesn't mean everything's out there for everyone yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not secret But it's private You know and privacy is important Because it's also for yeah. the children yeah. Important if children have been born through that yeah. It's it's an interesting one isn't it in that kind of involvement oh love this I feel like we should just record
1: all our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> why
0: not <laughs> next time you see me I'll be like I'm just recording um great so what we're gonna do that we're gonna draw part one to an end um do get in touch with us if you are listening um find us on Facebook or Instagram um and our blog saltwaterandhoney.org um although maybe message us on Facebook at the moment because we're having some technical issues but that'll be all sorted um Good, so we'll hang on and come back with part two. Say but you have to say bye. 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 <laughs>